Hello, Robcast friends. Yes, here we are, another episode. This is episode 293, Kristen Bell. You keep track. Well, I'm well just I guess you at, have to. I have right? it right here on the interwebs. I literally have robbell.com here on this <laughs> laptop. Um, but let me take you back to episode, this is episode 293. Kristen Bell, full name Kristen Bell, episode 268 was called Day 5 of What? Question mark. You and I recorded that episode. I guess it would have been March. Sitting at this dining room table. Right. And we thought it was it was strange, surreal moment. We also thought it was funny to call it Day 5 of What? Because we were five days into this what pandemic quarantine lockdown etc and we were like five and we were considering the fact that there might be a second weekend with restrictions right we were still in shock yeah like what is this what is this what is going on how are we supposed to deal with it and somebody had said you know what this thing this thing might last through june the kids might not all the kids might not go back to school yet for to finish out the school year it might be finished on mm-hmm. Zoom, except, and we were just like, what? Right. There might be no traveling this summer. Right. I hadn't yet canceled any of my stuff. Inconceivable. <laughs> so now, <laughs> episode 293, end of October. Inconceivable. And, we're still here. And here we are. So if that doesn't make your head hurt just a bit, I know I was recently reflecting on the kind of like the like if you could um, graph the emotions of whatever we're in, whatever, this whatever is. we're in. Um, and even some of the podcasts we did, like there was the one somewhere in the middle about um, Christmas carols in June. Episode 283. Where there was this feeling like we're all losing our minds. <laughs> like we're just. Right. right what is normal, what is, what's yeah. weird. Yeah. It's all like blurred. Let's just, let's all just be weird. <laughs> right. So at some point when, when sociologists or psychologists start to come up with charts, you know what I mean? A stage one, stage two, stage three, right. like the stages of grief, there'll be the stages of, of pandemic, pandemic. acceptance and um, adaptation. We're in, this one hasn't been mapped yet. With and this one in a presidential. Well, I kind season. of hope it isn't because if it is, it's for the purpose of like going through it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> let's just let's just uh, yeah, let's just positive think this one into this was a one time thing for all of us. There we go. And uh, I love how often you help me center. And get grounded and keep my wits about me. Right. I well, I was saying right to that, but I was actually <laughs> I was actually thinking about something else and saying right to the thing in my You're like, head. Right, that's totally what I did. I was thinking about <laughs> I love it. I was still thinking about the emotions present in a pandemic and how I'm sure psychologists and sociologists are looking at some of these things and like how you change behavior and um, those types of things. But um, I think we've also all become our own best researchers 
of ourselves. Mm. Like, how are we handling this? What's coming up? What's working for us? Um, what doesn't? What doesn't? What are some good tools we can use when we're feeling this way or that way? Um, and that's actually what we wanted to talk about on this podcast is um, yeah. what, are, what are some ideas, some tools that we can use when we're feeling anxious, fragmented, frustrated, um, angry, weary, weary, just like, like a millimeter below the surface, just this low grade weariness. Yeah. For me, weariness and frustration are very linked because, um, I mean, frustration is when what you want is getting blocked. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's like, it's like before acceptance, before you can like kind of die and drop into acceptance, like, ah, this is just the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. There's like this weary frustration. Okay. Let me back you up there. Before you die and then drop into acceptance. Yes. God, that's really good right there. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking so about builds. The, so something builds the death and rebirth cycle, um, which I think we can watch ourselves go through if 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 we're willing to look at our emotions and just let them be what they are. I think we can see these death and rebirth cycles that we keep going through, whether it's digesting a new piece of news that is um, not what we want to happen. Like we're not going forwards here. We're not, we're not progressing. We're like still stuck in this and it actually looks like it's going to be worse than we thought. Um, I think there's a cycle there of like you absorb that news and then like I get angry, frustrated, um, we like you said, weary. A tension builds within you, like a fight or like a resistance. Yeah, it's like almost like a a balloon in your chest gets inflated. Like, oh, I feel it's and like and for me, it's like a battle. It's like a war. It's like a, yeah. and, and sometimes it's intense, and sometimes it's like that weary. Like, I'm not dropping into acceptance because I hate this. But I also have, I don't really have a whole lot of energy to fight it. It's like yeah. that, it's like that middle place of like, I haven't accepted. And I also, yeah. I don't have. WTF. I, <laughs> I don't have peace with it. And I don't have the energy to continue to go to war with it. Uh, but yeah, actually, right. at that, that really point, actually, that helps me. That helps at me. At that point, you're actually things. pretty close to acceptance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're pretty close to dying. It's kind of like how how much longer can you hang on here fighting this when you yeah. don't have any en energy? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, really it it is possible. Yeah, there are there are always different paths we can take, but um, the cycle of um, death and rebirth is something ancient and absolutely it's a um, it's a pattern it's a model for if you look around it's how our lives work it's how nature works it's the 
the stories that get passed down yeah like through religious texts like the bible um stories period yeah yeah just stories across all sorts of genres and forms i guess i was just thinking about you know when i was young i was first introduced to that concept through the bible Uh uh-huh um i remember no i'm not gonna talk about one of my favorite verses (laughs) when i was a kid one of my favorite verses. It was like one of the first ones I memorized, which is so, it's kind of weird when I think about it now, but it's just the way it was. Um, I loved that verse. I think it was in Galatians that said, I have been crucified with Christ and is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live. I live by faith alone. Oh my word. You like know this stuff. I know. Isn't that fascinating? Well, you were like a super student. Well, it's fascinating how certain things get in there. And they're in there. Uh-huh. Um, like, like the Bible is not something that I generally go to now because of all the stuff that got added on to it. it yeah. was very, it's very hard for me to, um, it's very hard for me to engage with the purity of what's there because it got so polluted for me. But it is interesting to me that at certain times, those verses will still pop into my head. And that, I guess, to me is, is the purity. Like there is a truth there. There is something that um, can speak to that deepest part of me. So, yeah, that cycle of death and rebirth. Um, we're, we're just in it. Yeah. We're just in it. And um, I don't know if you can speak to that of times when this has felt undoable and then you like sink in and like new ideas come up. I know. It's so true that you and I have talked about monotony or claustrophobia or Groundhog Day or all the feelings like, and then we get we start cleaning out all the closets again or we strung those lights in the front yard and put those chairs out so we could sit in that space we've never sat in or you know what I mean? Right. Like we come up with some new way to use space here because you moved to that desk, Trace moved to that desk. Like we just came up with slight little tweaks that then breathed like a little bit of new life into it. Or even for you, like having, or, or us having the, um, the tour canceled, the, the book tour, um, having it rescheduled and then canceled again. <laughs> like, like you, ha- you oh, continually, but yeah. new things have sprung up yeah. that yeah. never would have happened without those deaths. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously with creativity, the limitations produce new possibilities. And for many people, stage one is you become hyper aware of the limitations whether you've enforced them or they've been enforced upon you, and all you can see is what you aren't able to do with the limitations. And then there's a breakthrough, and you realize the limitations actually have a gift hiding in them that they spur you in ways to create that you wouldn't have thought. By the way, in those Something to Say sessions, the number of people who 
when they tell me what they're working on, how they're stuck, they're stuck because there are limitations and they mm -hmm. can only see the limitations. And what's fascinating is when people are invited to search for the new thing that's in the limitations that they wouldn't have thought to make before prior to the limitations. Every single time, given some space and silence, a deep breath, sink into heart, the person finds something that they've been overwhelmed with the limitations, which is stage one. It's always, always how it works is your first, like, I can't do the stuff that we, we can't do it as we were doing it. We can't, there is, and then there's this, oh, but this limitation has something in it that wasn't in the other thing. It has some, there's something I didn't see before. Yeah. And then things get really interesting. Yeah. So one of the things um, we want to talk about was what you do when you're in one of those states where you can't find, yeah. where, where the emotion, whether it's anxiety, depression, um, anger, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Or we, even the mind looping. Right, which is a form of anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you can see is what isn't possible that used to be possible. Right. So what? So we wanted to talk about, like, what do you do? What are some ideas? What are some, what, let's, let's think creatively. This is, what tool, do you, this is like your toolbox. Yeah. How do you get from the fragmented mind to the quiet mind? Um, I was thinking about those two states because I think the fragmented mind really sums up a lot of those states, whether it's anxiety or depression. Um, it's not feeling at home in yourself. It's not being able to find that creative flow. It's not being able to, it's almost like being a prisoner in your own mind. Um, and I was thinking about how the fragmented mind is often critical. It, it separates us from them. Uh, sometimes we're even critical of ourselves, which is crazy. Like we're somehow separating ourselves from ourselves. <laughs> um, if you think about like critical sounds like cut, we're like cutting ourselves off. Um, frustrated, which is a pushing against. Um, fear, being in danger or threat mode, which actually gets triggered all the time in our current situation because there is a real threat. Yeah. And so we're constantly getting triggered and our minds get very fragmented instead of calm and centered and quiet. Um, so the opposite is the quiet mind. And one of the ways I saw this described that I thought was really helpful is a quiet mind doesn't mean empty. A quiet mind means you're able to sense the subtleties in the present moment, in the environment you're in. Like when your mind is quiet and it's not looping, there are so many things you can pick up on. Um, you and I have talked about that, uh, Netflix documentary, uh, the octopus, my teacher or my teacher, the octopus. Please tell me you've seen this peoples. 
But one of the my beautiful things, octopus teacher, we'll get something the title like that. At some point. Well, it's those three words. I don't Ooh. know what order. <laughs> um, but one of the things that film does, it's it's the film is actually very meditative itself, and yeah. it slows you down to the rhythm of the ocean, and um, what the diver does is show you when you do slow down, when you, he did the same dive day after day after day, I think for over a year. Yeah. Um, the subtlety, the things that he started to see. Yeah. Um, it just fills you with awe and wonder. And it reminds me that we can be like that in all of our life. Like when you have the quiet mind, when you are able to be present and tune into these sensors that we have, whether it's our sensory system or like even a more intuitive system, we're able to pick up so much more than we often allow ourselves because our mind is so dominant. Absolutely. So there's a sinking in, there's a slowing down. There's a world right here within this one. That's how the ancient sages talk about it. The world, another world right here within this one, that if you're moving too fast, you miss it. Right. There's, there's like infinity. Infinity goes on and on and on in our universe. But I also think infinity goes on and on in the in the smallest things. Absolutely. Absolutely. The only thing that goes on forever is now, which is why every tradition, all the wisest, enlightened ones, awakened ones, et cetera, et cetera, the only message they ever start with is here and now. Yeah. So this, and that is... I mean, what you and I have seen again and again, that this experience like never stops inviting you to stop and breathe and start. Sometimes I interview myself. Like, do you have everything you need right now? Hmm. Yeah. Is there somewhere, are there somewhere else you're supposed to be, whatever that means? Nope. Well, that's funny because I, I have here, I wanted to get practical about this. So I have three steps on the path to a quiet mind. Um, and the first step is to interrupt the cycle by talking to yourself. <laughs> so it's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, <laughs> and the reason why I think this is so great to talk to yourself is because it immediately lightens the situation. Like, especially if you have a nickname for yourself or somebody else is giving you a nickname that you like. Like, if you talk to yourself with a nickname, you've instantly made the situation lighter and you've stepped back and you've become the witness of what's going on. You have a nickname for yourself? Well, I just use the one that was given to me, which is Kitty. Oh, do you say, you say Kitty? Like, hey, Kitty. <laughs> you know what? It's so... <laughs> It I love sounds it. ridiculous, but no. it's so much kinder. No. Like, yeah. It um. So I was gonna say it lightens it. It gives it whatever the situation is, whatever you're feeling. It instantly helps you remember the absurdity of life 
and the situation yeah. that we're living. You do this to me, by the way. Um, you have, but I also want to say something else. Okay. When you use a, a nickname <laughs> and you feel silly, you have it, it, it's almost impossible to be harsh with yourself when yeah. you're using a nickname. It's yeah. it's like it taps into a kindness, a um, um, a grace, a like. You're you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Because the anxiety often comes from gripping it too tightly. Right. And the moment you have talked to yourself, and the name is at all, whatever, it is the counter that's needed to the grasping. It's almost like the name reaches in and pulls the fingers and opens the palms back up so they can receive instead of cling and grasp. Right. You can and like I feel it energetically. Do think that we talk to ourselves in our head more than we realize, but often it's the critical voice. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're talking to yourself in the other voice, then the other the critical voice has to be quiet. Because you right. can only talk to yourself in so many voices. Right. By the way, you know what you you know what you say? that melts me every time and, and totally like uh, jolts me into quieter mind. What? When you say... Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> you knew where I was going with that. <laughs> I had a suspicion. Oh my God, it when works I, every time. When I call you Robbie. It works every time. Every time I'm like, seriously, who do you, what are we doing here? What were you thinking you were going to like... You know what I mean? Save the world. Come on. Relax, man. <laughs> That's funny. So you, you've probably never called yourself Robbie, though, right? <laughs> no, I call myself Rob Bell. Yeah. Which is... That's how I get out of my own head. Yeah. But that's how I get untangled. But even the way you way. say Rob Bell. It's, yes, It's correct. kind of silly. It has like a little... Yes. Silly oh, tone. Oh, I'm laughing. Oh, I'm, I'm in on my own joke. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, Rob Bell. What are you thinking? <laughs> that's what, when when things don't go smoothly or there's some hiccup that has me annoyed I'll be like come on Rob Bell because that just it just punctures the balloon it just brings everything back to uh, like it brings everything back home yeah um, yeah so the first step is interrupt you interrupt the cycle with um, with talking yourself and with a nickname like you just kind of like it's it's a um I mean I think sometimes we these emotions they just feel like they get a hold of us and so it's important to interrupt the cycle oh okay so tool this made me think like if you have somebody that you live with mm -hmm. what's the thing that when they call you what name or whatever, do they, what do they say to you that like interrupts if you're looping? And then you ask them when you realize that you're like in one of those loops. Uh -huh. Despair, claustrophobia, anger, frustration. When is this, what's good? Is you just say to them, hey, will you do that thing? Like right, call right, me right. The thing. And then and the it, person says to you like Roger or Tootie or I don't know, whatever. Right, right. Yeah, or make that's a up good your, one. Or, yeah, or or make up your own thing that kind of like snaps you out of it. But also, if if you feel silly, you can also do this in a written form. Like it, it can be really helpful to. Yeah, but a friend that you call, and then you say to the friend, "Hey, will you do the thing that you do?" And then you hang up, and then they call you and go, "Hey, I'm calling." You that's know what I'm true. That's true. 
So you're, oh. you're just getting creative with this, running with the ideas. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Have like an inside thing with your, yeah. mm -hmm. with your friends or, you know the people you live with. Oh, so you have like a friend and you're like, hey, will you do the thing? And then they call you and they're like, Captain Starpants. And all of a <laughs> right. sudden you're like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Starpants, folks, you can have that. That one's all yours. Okay, so the second step, are you ready? What would you call the first step? Interrupt. Interrupt. Break the loop. Reset the system. Okay, anyway, yeah. sorry, keep going. Uh, the second step is to sit in quiet. And for some people, this is meditation, but it doesn't, but when I say quiet, it doesn't necessarily have to be absent of noise. It's like whatever makes you um, tune in to the present moment. So I was thinking about uh, the octopus movie and how powerful nature is to help you tune into a different rhythm. There's something about remembering our place in the world, that we are part of the natural order, that we're part of nature. Like we, there are so many things we can't control. And when we sit in nature, it's like we become part of it and remember that the world goes on whether we're controlling it, witnessing it, whatever our um, preferences are about how it should go, there is a, um, there's just a momentum of the natural world. It continues, the sun continues to rise, the stars continue to shine, um, the birds continue to sing. Um, By the way, can I say something about nature yeah. right there? Because I just finished Lab Girl by Hope Jaren. Uh-huh. Jaren, Jaren? By the way, folks, this book, I had read about this book over the past, I don't know, year or so, but then I found it in a bookstore recently. And Lab Girl, Hope Jaren, J-A, it's right over there. I could walk over, but the spelling is probably J-A-H-R-E-N. It's okay. Lab Girl will be You'll find it. Um, an absolutely marvelous book. I can't say enough about this book. So she's a scientist, so she's you discover what it's like to be a scientist with her. But then every, I think it's every other chapter is about nature and specifically trees. And her telling you about trees is, it's like rhapsodic, it's transcendent. It's, um, but when you just said like, well, you know, nature, I know for some people it's like, well, it's nice maybe, but I don't really have a lot of nature. Do you have a tree? Oh, yeah, trees. All, like a, even a small tree, a small plant. I'm telling you, Lab Girl. Because also alerts your senses. Well, I was going to say, give me a plant now after reading that book, and I'm in nature. Because what we're talking about here also is listening for subtleties. So yeah, you don't need a lot of nature to tune into nature. You just need to tune in. Um, so any anything can be an excuse to tune in. A flower that you see on your walk. Like if you just pause and like really absorb and, and, and try to like open yourself up to sensing it in new ways. Um, yeah. that's very, it's very quieting. Um, and, and that's actually one of the great liberation movements of the human soul is from productivity to presence. 
and that for so many people from an early age, what got imprinted on the psyche is um, what does it produce? Can you use it, exploit it, sell it? Um, what do you produce? Worth and value coming from production. And the spiritual path is basically moving from production to presence, where you're here, from doing to being. Because right. doing then flows out of being, but being is where, like you're talking about the flower. Well, it's just a flower. Yeah, presence. Right, and what a time to practice. Like we... Right. We, there's so much going on that's so disruptive, but it reminds us we get to practice this again. We get to practice being present again. We get to practice it again. Right, right, right. Because when, when your kid's born, your kid isn't really doing much of anything. Just their presence completely alters your world. So we have had experiences, sunset, or the stars when we were Josh Tree recently, you and I. The stars, the stars weren't doing much, although they're doing a lot. Oh, but yeah. From Earth, the star, you and I were just like, what? With the stars. So we have had experiences of full presence. The last thing on Earth in your mind was efficiency, production. What am I going to get out of this? It was just completely <laughs> absorbed in the moment. So what's interesting, especially during these times, is you have had these experiences in your life. And the invitation in, in the strangeness of these times is to live more and more in that presence. Right. I actually wanted to read a poem from Mary Oliver, who she, she's a poet and a master at being present to nature and letting nature open her and just the way she describes nature it's like she experiences it in so many more dimensions um, than, than most people. And that's the gift that she gives us, is helping us see like she sees. Anyway, I wanted to read one of her most well-known poems um, because it, it spoke so much to this step of quieting remembering that you're a part of the natural order um, and even a like surrendering to reality, nature, the order, whatever it is. Okay, I'm going to read her words because they're much better than mine. Okay, this poem is called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes. Over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. 
And one of the amazing things about a poem like this is that every time you read it, something new may jump out at you. I've heard somebody describe it as portals. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many portals in this poem of places it can take you. If What's the poem called? It's called Wild Geese. <sighs> the family of things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know. That's actually the one that jumped out at me when I was family reading it. Family of things. Over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Like it just calms it calms that core. It's in a different time signature, like musically. Like the poem is is moving at a different speed than the modern world. And you can right. like feel it. Right. You can um you can go on YouTube and listen to Mary Oliver read this poem. And like, uh, sometimes you need somebody to read a poem to you. Do you know what I mean? And you can often find authors reading their own poems on YouTube, which is amazing. Okay, so ready for number three? This is the last one. Uh, I, I know it. we could end it there, I'd couldn't we? I love it. Well, I love it when you have your notebook out. <laughs> Okay. Um, so the third step on the path is to examine that. And, and in some ways, it's, this isn't a linear path. It could be a circle because step one or step two could be all you need. But I know for me, sometimes it's not quite enough, those things. And uh, so step three is called examine. And examine is about, is about asking questions to release you from the prison of your beliefs. Um, it starts with, number one, what is this emotion? So identifying, if you can, as specifically as you can, what is this emotion? Instead of like, I feel sad or I feel happy, but what are like some of the more subtle aspects of that can you can you like go a little deeper and identify um do you know what i mean yeah oh yeah yeah what do i what do i mean by happy what do i mean by sad what do i mean by trapped what exactly right because sad could be grief right sad could be um like a loss of will sad could be um like I said earlier, disappointment. Oh, and, I, yeah. and I use disappointment because that's a common one for me. I notice in myself. Um, or, or actually, sometimes I've noticed um, anger can actually be sadness. But yes, um, maybe in your family or in your culture or whatever, cultural expectations, it hasn't been okay to say you're sad. So it's a yeah. lot easier to be angry than to be sad. But just do a little like examining of what is this? It's interesting. This week I was working with a woman who was stuck and on this amazing project, but stuck. And so I just started asking her questions about it. And right away, um, sadness was in there. And then, so I just kept asking more questions. And she like right away was able to name frustration, um, 
a little anger, but she almost like spices in a food. Right. And what was so fascinating is as soon as she started to realize all these other things that were hiding in that feeling of being stuck, then the, un, then the idea started to come. Yeah. Right? And she got unstuck. But it was exactly what you're saying. It was these subtleties. And I would just ask the next one, uh, how about anger? Oh. Because the reason why this is helpful is that if you can like dig into the emotion, what is this? It helps you then examine it and figure out where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that's actually what we're after is I'm recognizing, I'm recognizing this emotion. What is the root of it? Where's this coming from? So, so the second part of this is um, the question, what is the underlying belief that keeps this emotion going? So that sometimes takes a little bit of like sitting with it, maybe, like you said, talking to someone, maybe writing it out, um, meditating, letting something yeah. bubble up, like <laughs> asking the question right. and then sitting with it and just allowing an answer to come up. What yeah. is, what is the underlying belief that keeps this emotion going? I love what you're saying because of how we so easily see ourselves as fairly sophisticated, mm -hmm. but how often in my experience sitting like the examine process mm -hmm. in quiet what comes up, how often it's very straightforward, blunt, linear, and almost childish. Like I, like in my own doing this and observing with others, sometimes what comes up is I like being in control. And they're like, that's just so obvious. You know what I mean? How often the thing that you actually is below the surface that took a minute to find, when it does come up is just, I think I'm awesome and other people don't see that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's often, there's, um, it's so straightforward that it's almost embarrassing when it does come up. Well, I do think as you do this... <laughs> and that's why it's hard to find it. That's why it's a subtlety. Yes. I mean, there's a couple of things there. Often the things... Often we hide the things that we feel shame about. Right. So if you're having trouble figuring out the underlying belief it might be something that you're feeling shame about. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so I think that's what you mean when it sounds childish or... Oh, God, if I say that out loud, this out right, loud, it's not, I'm going to sound It's like, not who you want to be, but like it's <laughs> right. there. So you, it, right. you can't deal with it until you, <laughs> right. until you identify it. Because you and I have had these conversations and like you've been helping me sit through something and at the end I'll be like, because I want everything to go my way. I'll just say the thing that's like, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. And instantly I'm like, oh, that is it. Right. But then when you say it, that's how you get free from it. Right. And then you laugh and go, yeah, okay, well, pretty much everybody. Right. That's nothing. The thing that you think is like, I don't want, I don't want anybody to hear me saying this. Everybody else is like, oh yeah, I have the same thing. Yeah, I know. We all have we all have these things that we feel I'm realizing shame how about. Often and they're probably at the core, they're probably all the same. You know what I, I mean? Um, it strikes me how often you and I do this with each other. But we now we just know that we can say the ridiculous, immature, childish thing or just the simple, blunt, obvious thing. And the other one will join us. And almost, and oftentimes you and I end up laughing at it. 
Um, yeah. I know that... Like nothing was supposed to be inconvenient in my life. Right, right. <laughs> Just stuff where you're like... <laughs> uh, that well, is I've good. recognized that one of my core beliefs that keeps my um, frustration going is that I'm not going to have what I need. That, That's huge. Yeah. That right. there is, this isn't a world of abundance. It's a world of lack and I'm not going to have what I need and I'm going to fall apart and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to like self combust because I don't have what I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That And that, that, but it's not based in my experience. Like if I think about my experience of life. You're here. I haven't fallen apart. You're here. Right. So apparently none of that happened because you're here. Or whatever it was, I don't know if I would make it. You're here, so you did. Right. So we it's, actually have an, a factual, we have data on that fear because you're here. Right. It reminds me of that, like when you're a kid and you're afraid of the monster under your bed. But then when you finally get brave enough to look under your bed, you realize there's nothing there. <laughs> it reminds me of this process. Like we have these um, unconscious fears that, or uh, I don't know, would you call yours fears? Mine are often fears, but sure. that, that drive us, that, um, that bring up all this emotion. And, but then when we examine them, when we get under the bed and look at them, like, oh, that's kind of silly. What is that based on? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Why, why did I think that? Um, yeah. There's like a silliness about it. Right. And then you end up laughing at yourself and that frees everything. And now you're... Right. Now you uh, can be a little more loose or free. Yeah. So, the, so then the third step in this process is then asking, so what is the possible, possible remedy? And sometimes there is no remedy needed. All you needed to do was shine the light on it and it dissipates. Mm -hmm. um, other times, maybe there's um, something that comes up that you feel like you need to say to someone or you need to do or you need to like go take a hike or you need to um, like, but asking, asking kind of your, what I would call like your inner guide, what is, what is the remedy here? you might be surprised at how creative your inner guide is, which is you. Yeah. You might be surprised at how creative you are. Right. Yeah. Your truest and indestructible and infinite self. Which, going back to your experience with um, helping people get unstuck you have said over and over again, that's what ends up happening is like when you can help people examine what's going on, they actually know what they need to do next. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Everybody always knows in the end. That's how it works. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. Seriously, fascinating is everybody in the end knows. And it's actually an act of remembering. That's yeah. how it actually works. Well, and the act of when somebody comes to you for a session, they have set aside this time, this attention to go to those places. But this can also easily be done. Absolutely. In, yeah. In 
a comfortable chair with a notebook. Absolutely. Or absolutely. Or taking a run and with the intention of sorting something out. Yep. Yep. Which also goes back to the getting away from having everything have to be productive and efficient. Um, this time is a really good excuse to give chunks of time to things that don't feel productive and efficient. Especially if you come from that world and your neural pathways are so shaped that way, then sometimes you need an external, like you use the word excuse. Sometimes you, when we're in the first stages of learning something new, sometimes you need a, you need more structure. Sometimes you need it to be like you almost demand it of yourself at first and then it becomes effortless and natural. But at first, sometimes you need that. Yep. Man. Yeah, there we go. Man, kitty. <laughs> Another Sunday. Yeah. What episode is it? 293. Episode 293. Yeah. Of, I re- of I, what is this? And I mean, I mean, yeah, a yeah, exactly. Life. Exactly. Life. What is this? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I w- was listening to you talk there thinking, I hope that somebody listening had like that jolt or that interruption in whatever any loop they were in was like, are we going to be okay? What's going to happen? That, yeah, you are. You are hanging there. Resilience. Right. Talk to yourself. Talk to Sit yourself. Sit in quiet and practice examining your emotions and where they come from. Right. What is this? What is this? <sighs> yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. That was an episode. With, of course, a poem. I love it. Right. And listen to Mary Oliver read Wild Geese. Mary Oliver as read by Kristen Bell. That's it. Grace and peace, everyone. Until next time.